We're going to have our reading now. We're going to read, carrying on our sermon series that we've got at the moment in 1 Samuel. So if you want to turn to that in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the next chapter uh, in our journey through this book. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and if you're using one of the red church Bibles, then it's on page 287, page 287. So chapter 16 of 1 Samuel on page 287. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Aminadab, and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. And he was ruddy and with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came on David in power. And Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from the Lord is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armour bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, 
allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. James, do you want to come up and I'll just pray for you before you bring us God's word? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we have your word that we can look at, that we can study, that we can we can try to grapple with and see what it means for us in our lives. And Father, I pray as we come now to listen to you, we pray that you would use James and the, the preparation that he's done and the, the prayer that he's done in getting ready to bring us your words. Use him as your vessel to, to bring to us your words. But Father, I want to pray that our hearts and our minds will be ready to receive them too, Lord. Make them open and accepting of what you want to say to us now, Lord, through James. In your precious name, amen. 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 Well, brilliant. Um, If you've got a Bible, then keep it open at that passage. If you haven't got a Bible, there's some at the front. And if you throw up your hand, I'm sure someone will come and give one to you. Um, But if you keep it open at 1 Samuel 16, or scroll to 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to look at that passage together now. Well, we live in a world, don't we? We live in a country where we struggle to know who has authority over us. Yes, we have Theresa May and her government. The Queen still rules this country. The police keep the law. In a sense, social media and news as well have power over us and the way we think. This country is in turmoil and we look to politics to try and solve the problem and we see that politics struggles to do that. And people have protested this for years. And that's why we've had political parties like the mad raving loony party, whose existence was partly to protest the fickleness of politics. Deep down, we want to know who has authority over us, what has authority over us. And this evening we're seeing both spiritual and human authority being changed around in our story of 1 Samuel. And we'll ultimately see someone who has human and spiritual authority over our lives. And if this evening you feel like you're living lawlessly, living, running your own race for your own glory, then listen in over the next minutes to see what 1 Samuel says about this. And when the curtain rises on 1 Samuel chapter 16, our ears should be ringing with the depressing scene of the end of the last chapter. If you've got your Bible open, please do keep it open on chapter 16, but just glance up to the end of chapter 15 and we read this. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go and see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. This is a low point in the story of 1 Samuel. Like in any good story, there's a point when all hope is lost. I'm sure you can think of a film when halfway through, the main character is injured, the plane has crashed, the villain has captured the co-star and all the treasure... It doesn't look hopeful. The Lord regretted that he made Saul 
king over Israel. Saul had rejected the word of the Lord and rebelled against God. We've seen that throughout 1 Samuel, God's people are in God's land, but they're not under his rule and blessing. And this is the four parts of the plan that we're looking for as we journey through the Old Testament. God's people in God's land under his rule and blessing. We've got two parts so far in 1 Samuel. Well, we've got two points this evening. Firstly, God's word seeks God's king. God's word seeks God's king. Let's work through that together now. We jump into the passage and we see Samuel is mourning over Saul. But the Lord commands him to arise, fill his horn with oil, because God has chosen a new king. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem and meets the elders of the town and finds Jesse and his sons. One of Jesse's sons will be the new king. That is what God has said. And this is a dangerous thing for Samuel to be doing. Saul is still king on the throne, and Samuel is sowing seeds of rebellion. But we pick up the scene at verse 6, where Samuel sees the first of Jesse's sons, Eliab. We read this in verse 6. Look down with me. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Samuel thinks, this is the one. This is the king. The first one which picked, this is the one. However, we've seen throughout 1 Samuel that when the people of Israel make choices, they don't turn out for the best. In chapter 4, they chose the Ark of the Covenant and it ended in disaster. In chapter 8, they chose Saul as king. They wanted a king like all the other nations. In turn, that resulted in disaster for the nation of Israel. The Lord is not going to let this happen again. And he steps in with verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. So Samuel was going to choose Eliab because of his height and his stature. And this echoes chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, where we read this about Saul. He was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. The Lord Almighty is going to be the one who chooses the king this time around. So with option one out of the way, Samuel calls the rest of Jesse's sons. And we read in verse 8 of chapter 16 to pass in front or pass before Samuel. The Lord is working through Samuel, examining each heart of Jesse's sons. Their heart is what matters to God. And this is what the Lord wanted from the new king. This was the problem that plagued Saul. Not his military might or his stature or his good looks. It was his heart that was set against the Lord. Do you see in this passage that we're not told about the stature of Abinadab or Shammah? It's because it doesn't matter. It's the condition of their heart. 
is what the Lord considers of vital importance. So Samuel gets to the end of Jesse's sons, not having found a suitable candidate for kingship. So verse 11, Samuel says, are these all the sons you have? Is this it? But Jesse says there's one more. Wow, how exciting. There's one left. This must be the one. He's tending the sheep. This mystery shepherd comes in, and ironically here we're told about his appearance. But the Lord says at the end of verse 12, rise and anoint him. This is the one. The Lord has chosen the one whose heart seeks after God's own heart. And interestingly, if we're reading this through, we still don't know his name, do we? We're not told his name. His heart is what matters. Not his stature or his looks or his name, but his heart. So he's anointed. And we read in the second half of verse 13, and from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So David is the name of the next king. We've seen here God's word, Samuel, seeks out God's king, David. And we see here again God's strange and refreshing way of trampling on our human standards. The Lord, Yahweh, chooses the most unlikely people to carry out his will. God looks upon the heart of the shepherd's harpist and sees a heart after his own. But the Lord just doesn't choose David for his work and then leaves him to it. The Lord equips him with the spirit to do his will. We see something really interesting in verse 13 of this passage. That the spirit comes Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon David, like it did on Saul when he was anointed. But then the last sentence of this verse, it says, Samuel then went to Ramah. David is anointed, and Samuel, God's prophet, God's word, leaves. And then he's only mentioned only a few more times in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 19 and chapter 28. God's word passes on the baton of spiritual authority to David. And later on in the book of Samuel, Samuel says this to Saul, The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. And we see that God's people are still in God's land And they're one step closer to being under God's rule. The nation are closer to having a king after God's own heart. Our second point this evening, the godless king doesn't seek God's words. The godless king doesn't seek God's word. And we've seen over the past chapters the demise of Saul his rejection of God's word, and his rejection of God's authority. And we see this in the second half of our passage this evening, especially verses 13 and 14. We're going to take those as a pair. And they couldn't be in stronger contrast. 
verse 13, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And then verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. It couldn't be a stronger contrast. The new anointed king after God's own heart is filled with the spirit of the Lord's. And the old rejected king, after his own heart, the spirit of the Lord is removed from him. But that's not the end of the story for Saul. Verse 14 continues, And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. See, punishment comes from the Lord as Saul is rejected and rebelled against the Lord his God. This is quite a hard thing for us to hear, isn't it? That God would torment and punish someone. But it clearly shows the just nature of God, doesn't it? Saul withdraws his faith and trust from God. And the Lord withdraws his blessing from Saul. And the task that faces Saul's attendance is to find Saul relief from the evil spirit. And interestingly, the relief comes in the form of David. Verse 19, we read this. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. So David gets chosen by Saul. David was not just the Lord's choice, but also Saul's choice. He was doubly chosen. I love this. It's the chosen king that keeps the rejected king from falling apart. It's the chosen king that keeps the rejected king from falling apart. The torment comes from the Lord, yes, but so does the relief. The relief comes through David from the Lord. When David plays his lyre, relief comes on Saul and the evil spirit leaves him. And David had that spiritual authority that Saul never had. And he would go on to grow in human authority and would one day be crowned king. The king that God has chosen is the king after his own heart. And for the first time in a long time in the story, there is a spiritual authority and human authority culminating in one person. And when we see David we should see a prototype of Jesus. And this would have been an encouragement to the original readers who were in exile, that God had not forgotten them. God was not forsaking them. The Lord works out his plan. And this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. When a king comes from the line of Jesse, from Bethlehem, he has that spiritual authority more than David ever had, as he is the Son of God. He demonstrates his spiritual authority amongst the people and amongst other spirits. He challenges political and religious leaders. Jesus is the king that has the greatest human and the greatest spiritual authority. He says this in the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that picture that we talked about at the beginning that was kind of half complete is now complete after Jesus, isn't it? God's people in God's land under his rule and blessing. We have God's people, the church, in God's land, which Jesus himself mentions in the Great Commission, is all the nations. Under God's rule, with Jesus as king, with all power and all authority, experiencing the blessings of being in relationship with God through what Jesus has done. When we look to politics the better pay grades, the promotion, the grades, the popularity. We put our trust in those idols, don't we? We tell ourselves they have power and authority to save. These idols alleviate the symptoms of not having a true authority in our lives. They'll never satisfy and they'll always let us down. The people reading this, the exiles, are seeing a vision of God's king that makes them long for him more. For us to long for that authority in our lives is what we should be striving for. David's prototype king is fulfilled in Jesus, and the exiles longed for this authority, so we should too. We see the greatest authority in the person of Jesus. We should be longing, striving, yearning to have Jesus as Lord, as the greatest authority in our lives, not just over our Sundays or our Friday nights, but over all of our lives. That means we trust Jesus, put all we have in Jesus. We live in a world of political and social and economic religious turmoil. But Jesus retains authority through it all. No matter who is prime minister, no no matter who is queen or king of this country, he is king, he has authority over it all. He is the king we should long for. We've got some questions come up on the board and we're going to have a time of discussion now and feel free to say as much or as little as you want during this time of discussion but just be nice to um, have this conversation around our tables. So these questions come up on the board.